As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Rates and Barrels. It is Wednesday, December 15th. Derek Van Riper, Bricciarola, Eno Saris here with you. Take two of this episode, which you wouldn't even know. I don't know why I said that. It's a stupid <laughs> thing to say. Big dumb idiot. But New mic. New mic. New mic wreaking havoc. The old uh, hardware software interface gone wrong. But uh, last three player booth of the 2021 season here on Rates and Barrels. Two more it's episodes been a after great this one. Year. I it love has you been. guys. I love you it's guys. Been a lot, it's been a lot of fun. I love both of you as well. This is um, it's the kind of bittersweet to end any year, just because you, you kind of wish there was more. But this year in particular, actually on the heels of 2020, a little easier to turn the page on this year in the baseball world, <laughs> given that we're a, in a lockout. Kill it dead. Kill it with a knife. <laughs> right. Uh, un- until about three weeks ago, it was like, hey, okay, like yeah, like the future's looking good, and then it's like, ah, crap. Uh, but we, yeah. we've, you know what? We've we've ended a year on a worse note. And it wasn't that long ago, so things are still (laughs) trending in the right direction. So on this episode, we're going to talk about some of our favorite things from this year. So our favorite baseball stories, our favorite non-baseball stories, cool stuff that we actually got to maybe eat or see or do or places that we actually got to go once people were able to start really going places again a little bit. Uh, And then we are also, at the very end, going to have a draft of what I thought could at first be Christmas movies, but then I realized everyone's definition of a Christmas movie is super vague, and then I realized there are other holidays, and it's basically just movies that take place in winter months when Christmas occurs in the movie, I think is going to be the (laughs) definition. That doesn't sound smooth, but that's most of what we're going to draft. So So we don't get into an argument about whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah, Yeah, we don't need to fight that battle here. That's been fought on the internet for 20 years probably so you know consult <laughs> all with the hot dog a sandwich or not oh i'm i still I, you know i think this is one thing you and i disagree on i think you think it's a sandwich and i don't i don't either is a uh, is a meatball sub a sandwich yes yeah so a hot dog is a sandwich. Okay, well here's, then I, I just ruined my own argument then maybe I'm here's gonna... my controversial <laughs> part of it maybe is i don't care yeah, call it whatever you want. <laughs> I call don't it, care. Call it a sandwich. I think it's a sandwich, maybe, but you don't go to a, a sandwich shop and find hot dogs. So 
Like, you know, there is, that is a bit of a tautology, but I don't, I just don't care. Sure. <laughs> I do like that it's the kind of debate that they would have uh, on the office in the bullpen, right? It, yeah. It's that sort of thing. You take it really seriously, but yeah, don't take it that seriously. Same with putting ketchup on a hot dog. I don't care what you put on your hot dog. You're eating tube meat. <laughs> do whatever you need to do to enjoy it as much as you possibly can because tube meats are meant to be enjoyed. Yeah, my kids put ketchup on broccoli, so. Oh, wow. That's a, wow. That's a twist. Not all the time. All right. All right. Well, <laughs> I think we should begin with some baseball. I wanted to ask each of you, what was your favorite baseball story? You could have more than one, but if you have one that really stands out on top, what was it? I'm going to go to you first, Britt. Um, mine has to be Trey Mancini, guys. I mean, everyone knows his story. Coming back from colon cancer, watching him at the All-Star Game in the Home Run Derby. Um, I know he didn't win, but he made it to the final round against Pete Alonso. Um and a year before that, he had been undergoing chemotherapy. I mean, how do you get more, like, feel-good, inspiring than a guy like that who, you know, I know fairly well. I covered in Baltimore. Um, just a terrific human being, a terrific ambassador for the sport. And I thought that was one of the cooler moments of that whole week in Denver. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a comeback story. It's a real good one. Uh, and he seems like a really decent guy. I haven't st- spoken to him too often, but he seems uh, he seems to be pretty level-headed and kind and caring. So, you know, mm-hmm. couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, it seems like. Yeah. yeah. Those, I think, among the, the best feel-good stories of the year, for sure. Uh, you know, you had one that we uh, we saw on the rundown. We're like, okay, like that that's a good story, but it, is it your, why is it your favorite baseball story? I had Charlie Morton's broken leg down there, and you guys are like, "Why would you? Why is this a feel-good story? He broke his leg." Uh, I don't have an answer for that. Uh, uh, I mean, I, it's a story of perseverance. Uh, he's a player uh, that I really enjoy talking to. That I uh, that I just think is a, a, a underrated pitcher uh, uh, who uh, is really in touch with his emotions, which is rare for a player. Uh, and then to see him hit 95 on a broken leg and strike two more batters out, um, I think it actually spoke a little bit to uh, the Braves as a larger story, which is that uh, yeah, they lost their best player and uh, they managed to persevere. Um, so I, I kind of uh, I thought that that uh, was a kind of a cool way to kind of tie in what the Braves did. It was an iconic moment. And then also just when it happened, I was, it's the one thing I remember, you know, I guess Shohei Otani comes close. Those are the two things this year where I was like, what? (laughs) Like, holy crap. That's, that's, that's what I was looking for. was like the holy crap. Uh, And, you know, him, him hitting 95 and striking two guys out uh, on a broken leg was, uh, was my holy crap of the year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so your feel good moment wasn't that he broke his leg. It was that he kept pitching for a little while. Right, which is also kind of weird because you're like, no, stop pitching. Your leg is broken. But, but you know, <laughs> it was it was cool and it was a kind of a holy crap moment. Yeah, no, I like that. And I agree. Someone had to mention Otani. I mean, how do you top that, right? It was just, that was a really cool part. I didn't steal yours, did I? Yeah, you was did. Was Otani uh, yours? Yes. Oh. Yeah, why did you take two, you know? 
Oh, I'm sorry. Derek, oh, you didn't I opened the door. I opened the door for more than one. It. You didn't write it in the rundown. Yeah, I looked at the rundown. Oh, I didn't see any Otani. A late edition. I it's in there. It's there. Oh, it's on there now. <laughs> yeah. I didn't oh, put it in God. there because I, what I what I wanted to make sure was if Otani was your story that you guys had the first choice and I could pivot to my next favorite story. I was trying to be a kind and gracious host, and Eno spilled a glass of wine in my carpet. Yeah. <laughs> what was going to be your pivot? Was going to be a pivot, Marcus Simeon, because I think in oh. in the same vein of Shohei Otani doing amazing things that are really in their own stratosphere, nothing we've ever seen in our lifetimes, and, and maybe unless he's able to repeat or come close to repeating something we will never see again, like he might be a great mm. two way player for the next ten years, and none of those seasons will reach the levels that he reached in 2021. And in a lot of ways, I feel like I didn't see enough of it. Like I'm I'm yeah. mad at myself for not tuning in more often i think i go back to my default excuse of well the angels weren't playing a lot of meaningful games (laughs) so i was watching the more meaningful games instead yeah that's that's true but i wish i had i wish i had experienced more of it as it happened and and less of it in the form of you know the highlights that were coming through on twitter or watching it the next day on mlb network as he he was on the loop throughout the afternoon but what an amazing season he had. I think. Well, just on Otani real quick. It was really fun uh, at the uh, All-Star game to be there live for it. Uh, but it was a, it was a really uh, interesting feeling to live through because he was the All-Star game. Like he, like, he was the guy with the most people around him. Uh, he was the guy that got the most questions. He was the... Everything seemed to be set up for him. He was starting as a DH, a pitcher. No one's ever done that before. Uh, you know, it was all set up for him to kind of win the the Derby, I think, you know? And then he came out and he just fell on his face. Like, he was yeah. terrible. He was gassed, for, though, it looked like, didn't it? It just looked like, yeah, it looked like too much. Like, it was just so much for him that he was just like... But then he kind of got it going and the crowd like got into it and so um i think he would just he only won his first round or something but like uh the fact that he did even win that first round because it he went like oh for his first 10 or something uh and then he started hitting bombs like over our head and uh and everyone started to really get into it fan wise that was that was my favorite like sort of lived experience uh, of otani because too like it just it seemed like it came from a place where he was exhausted and tired of all the attention and like you know, this he'd rather just go back and play. You know, at some point. I think the the fun part about Otani too, though, is that we three of us have lived in an era of sports coverage where hype is through the roof all the time, and it's not often warranted. And mm-hmm. to see it be warranted and have that really be validated this year from Otani, that to me was also a nice nice part of the story. But the Marcus Semyon thing is. One of my favorite stories of the year because he bet on himself with the one-year deal, maybe in part because he had to, had such a disappointing shortened 2020. A lot of players did, but it was so easy to look at 2020 in contrast to 2019 for him and say, okay, Marcus Simeon had the best possible year he could have. He played in every single game in 2019. It was the year of the rabbit ball. He got over 30 home runs for the first time. There's nowhere to go but down. And he comes back and has the season that he has in 2021, ends up getting a massive deal in free agency pre- prior to the lockout. I like being proven wrong with player performances because I think it makes fantasy baseball and watching baseball fun, right? The element of surprise adds something. And I think Marcus Semien coming back with the year that he had in Toronto, I mean, I imagine there'll be Jays fans who are younger fans that haven't been watching this team for 20 years. They've only watched them for a little while who will have 
similar feelings about Marcus Simeon that I have as a, a fan of the Brewers about CC Sabathia, right? He was a Brewer for less than a season, and yet he's one of my all-time favorite Brewers. I think that's the sort of impact Simeon had. Unfortunately, the Jays didn't have as much success as a team, as fun and watchable as they were in 2021. But that Simeon year, I mean, a 45 homer, 15 steal season for a guy that literally everyone I know thought couldn't do better than 2019 was a great story. Yeah, it's a good pick. That's a good backup pick, honestly. Um, <laughs> after Eno stole yours, I, I, I like that one. I do. Uh, so See? there was still some good stuff that happened this year, if you think about it, because we could probably go down the list. I mean, there, there's tons of, of kind of unexpected performances, starting with, as Eno mentioned, the Braves winning the World Series. So, you know, there, there were some good things that happened this year. There really were. Yeah, and I like to go out on a high note because, look, we, we know there was bad stuff that happened. We're not hiding from the bad stuff that happens in baseball all the time. It's probably a bigger part of our future than we'd <laughs> we like it to be. We reported on a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just it's We the, didn't pick any of our own stories. No. <laughs> <laughs> good, good call. Uh, let's open this up a little bit. Favorite non-baseball story, and it doesn't even have to be a sports story from 2021 because, you know, the internet is such a weird and wild place. Uh, you know, I'll start with you on this one because what you put on the rundown has me very curious. Same. Oh, well, you know, it was a pretty big phenomenon. I don't know. Maybe it just didn't reach uh, the sports world. But uh, uh, there was a, a story about this uh, a person called a bad art friend. Um, and it was just this amazing uh, story that I think it was in the Atlantic that just um, uh, it, it went places. You kind of it was one of those things that evolved. I can't I can't just like describe it all. I will try to sum it up. But it was one of those stories that unfurls. And as you read it, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you have to kind of reevaluate what you think of each of the characters in it as the story unfurls. Uh, but basically, the summary is that um there was this uh, lady that was a writer uh, that had been friends in a friend group with other writers. Um, and uh, she also um, uh, was trying to do some, uh, some good on the side. And I think uh, she like donated a kidney or something um, and then wrote a really heartfelt letter about donating the kidney. And then someone in the group uh, used that uh, for a story. Uh, and basically took the the letter verbatim and then made the the character unsympathetic in her story uh, as sort of demanding attention for this good thing she'd done and uh, and sort of demanding ownership over like the the person that got the kidney like sort of having like w wanting to be the white knight the savior and so there was this short story sort of. Uh, kind of trying to look at savior, like what it was to be a savior and what it was to kind of think that way. Um, and so everybody in the story comes off really terribly because <laughs> the person who wrote the letter comes off terribly. Her letter comes off like as kind of sticky and terrible. The person who wrote the piece got like a, a got like a job out of it and like was like a, like a writer in, in residence somewhere because of it. It was like her big, like one of the biggest short stories of the year. Um, and so it's like this whole terrible thing. Um, uh, the reason why it, uh, resonated with me is that um i think it was this year i don't know when i found out about this exactly but my biological father uh wrote a book about uh trying to uh get in touch with me 
Uh, and uh, he left my name as Eno in the book. Uh, he, he told everyone I lived in Menlo Park uh, and that I wrote about baseball. So he left in all the details uh, about me, um, and yet he did not try to contact me because I am eminently contactable. <laughs> you were very <laughs> easy to find. Yes. I think if you Google baseball Eno, you would probably yeah. come right. Yeah, emails, Twitter, like there's, I, there's an email in the Twitter me. bio, like you, yeah, exactly. like a direct <laughs> line right to the person you're looking for. Uh, so. <laughs> I had like this sort of bad art friend moment where it's like, oh, oh, and then here's the best part. I didn't tell you the best part. The way I found out about it, someone sent me a review from uh, from Die Stern, which is like a, a you know like a magazine in Germany, and the review panned the book, just absolutely destroyed it. The first line of the review is um, the first uh, the first lesson you learn in writing is show don't tell. Someone forgot to teach this this author this this lesson. Wow. <laughs> wow so so this bad art friend is an is a it wasn't like a true it was a story like a made-up article story or it was, no it was an article it's a based real on something story real? okay yeah and and the the all the characters in it are real but the 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 tension is between this person who wrote a story based on uh, her friend's life and and then there was like real life questions about what is plagiarism in creative writing right because uh, we take inspiration in creative writing to to from like real life events, um, you know. But was there a line cross because there was some actual you know words that were in her letter that that were, ended up in the other story? Um, so uh, you know, and then there was a final version where she'd like kind of changed some of the words and then said otherwise. No, it's fine for me to like take inspiration from from real life. Um, and so, yeah, I guess it's fine for my father to take inspiration for real, real life. Uh, to me, it was like, well, you didn't even put in the effort. Like, you know, fine, write about me if you actually come out and like, you know, or at least give me a phone call or something. And then if you're not going to do the effort, then at least change my name. <laughs> like at least change some friggin' details because you didn't put the effort in. So, uh you know, uh, I just thought it was uh, it was an interesting moment. And if I wrote about it, I could actually be uh, more like Bad Art Friend because I would be taking inspiration from a real life event and like and continuing this sort of dichotomy. But where was this um, article in? You know, the original story. I think I think it's the Atlantic. Oh, okay. Let me see. I'll do a quick search. But uh, I thought Bad Art Friend was going to be <laughs> just like this this trend of of people having friends who. Were we're trying to do well, they have an artistic outlet and they had to try and support people that were just clearly not good at the things they were passionate about which is really sad and shouldn't necessarily be laughed at but i <laughs> that's that's what i thought it was like this community of people that had a bad art friend who were all supporting each other and like hey look like it's important to keep helping people here that is part of the meaning because the person who is doing the good uh it, they don't think her art is good <laughs> So, okay. so they they had already the the uh, the artist group had already been talking to each other about how bad her art was, right? But bad art friend is really an interesting uh, way to construct it because bad art friend. So they have the bad art friend, right? But then they they are also being bad art friends to their friend by either not telling her her art is bad or just talking about her behind her back. 
or then also using in her bad art as inspiration. So I, I also think it's a fun uh, sort of word construction there. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This podcast has taken an unusual turn, so I'm going to just get to it with my story. It's going to be a lot less personal, a lot more concise. Um, yeah, okay. Sorry, I rambled. <laughs> <laughs> but check it out if you have it. It's a, it's a really interesting story. Um, uh, my favorite non-sports or non-baseball story of the year, it wasn't non-sports, it was just non-baseball, with Simone Biles um, and everything she did for the mental health, um, really crisis that's going on right now, I thought... Um, for somebody like that to uh, kind of put, you know, Michael Phelps did this somewhat too a few years ago, but to kind of push to the forefront the fact that mental health is as important as physical health um, on that kind of a stage, I just thought was a really cool story that, you know, hopefully has some resounding effect, not just now, but years to come on athletes and young people and old people. And, and you know, we're kind of redefining um, how important it is to be okay between the ears, you know, and how, just because you don't look hurt doesn't mean you're not hurt. And I think baseball in particular is one of those sports that really needs to take mental health more seriously. I think coming off the pandemic, everybody needs to. Um, I just thought that was a, a really refreshing um, take and a very bold move for someone like her. I see a, I see a through line uh, between her and Naomi Osaka. Mm -hmm. And then also um, just generally uh, all of us reevaluating our relationship to work. Um, I know it, it, you know, it's about mental health, but it's also uh, sort of like, um, you know, the, we have all these expectations put upon us, you know, and uh, I think in the last couple of years, we've really reevaluated, you know, s how many of those expectations we think are onerous and just like ridiculous. And, you know, Naomi Osaka being like, you know, if I go, if I go and lose a terrible match, I'm still you know, I'm still, you know, and it was a huge match and it's a finals match and I'm still like, you know, I'm emotional. I'm, you know, I'm crying about it. I'm, I'm sad. I'm sweaty. And then I have to go stand up in front of you and like answer these questions, you know, like it's kind of a ridiculous setup. The whole thing is a setup. I have to be, I have to play your games. I have to do it your way, you know? And I think both Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles were like, no, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to play it your way. I want to, I want to put my health first. Um, and I thought that was remarkable. Yeah, I think for me, that's the great resignation is the the broader story of 2021 that I think is it is exactly that. It is the reevaluation of how work is in our lives and, and what what people are going to be willing to tolerate. And that that has changed. The pandemic has changed that forever. 
I think the reason why it's my favorite story is that people are standing up for themselves. Like, and, and I think people are doing it together, which gives it a chance to actually lead to some sort of change. And, you know, I think it, it pushes the, the, the responsibility to people outside of those work situations. It's how, how do people who aren't in those situations help those who are in those situations? You know, do you, do you spend your money at places that treat people that way and, and becoming more aware of how bad conditions are at different places is one way to have a better understanding and, and taking action is a small way to continue helping. So I just think that there's more of a community feel to it. Whereas I, I think we've all at some point, I think all three of us have had part-time jobs or jobs when we were younger that were like those jobs Awful. And, and they, they, <laughs> they weren't good. They were not good jobs. And, you know, to, to know that those conditions have been much worse than probably what we experienced back then. And people have to try and make a living in that. Uh, and knowing that they're not willing to just keep dealing with horrible circumstances anymore. I, I find it inspirational. I know it's going to be messy. It's going to take a long time to to make it right. But I'm I'm glad the beginning of, of change is actually happening on that front. So it's a, it's a big, dark story that will last probably a decade, if not longer, before there's true resolutions. But just people having the courage to stand up and say, you know what? My life is worth more than being told what to do and, and doing a measly job for a small amount of money like that's everyone's life is worth so much more than that so uh, i found that to be again very inspirational let's go to our, our favorite moment on the show which i think is probably my favorite question on the rundown just because there's all sorts of random things that happened and i wonder if people listening even remember the things that we chose as our favorite moments on the show and i'm sure people listening maybe have favorites of their own so if you have those feel free to drop those our way on Twitter. Um, I'll go first on this one. I think the, it was pretty recent. It was after Britt went to the general manager's meetings. It was right in the beginning of that episode when she was explaining the the uniform of the modern GM, you know, with the, the Lululemon uh, shirts and the, the backpack with the hand sanitizer clipped Half to it. The, 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 the casual, sneakers. like they're not dress shoes, but they're not sneakers, which <laughs> I, I have a pair of those. You know, I've seen them. I wear them most of the time when I go out around this area because it's like, well, I got to be comfortable, but I, I kind of need to look like I'm I'm not just kicking it here. So here's what I've got. So uh, that cracked me up. I've, I think that we saw responses on Twitter. People loved that moment. That was probably my favorite moment on the show <laughs> just, all year. I recently thought of that because <laughs> I was I was talking like about, you know, like possibly uh, joining a team. And then I was like, do I have to buy that those clothes? <laughs> 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 or do they just like send it to me when I get the job? <laughs> it's standard issue. Starter pack. <laughs> yeah. Here are your half zips and your khakis. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. That's funny. My my favorite moment was also a Brit moment is when she just ran all through us and just destroyed us at predicting during the playoffs. The Cardinals call. I mean, like that that was probably the single best call about a team or a player on the show when she said the Cardinals were going to go to the playoffs when was that late August? I mean, it was yeah. maybe even mid-August. And I was just like, no way. We both cackled. <laughs> we, we audibly laughed at Britt on the show for the prediction and then it happened. We did. Ah. We did. Uh, gosh, what is this? The Brit hype show? God, yeah, I feel like you guys are making me sound smart. Um, I say a lot of dumb things. Does anyone who listens to the show also is well aware? Um, so I don't, I don't know if I have one particular moment. Eno's rooster story stands out to me. It's like this indelible moment that I can't ever shake. 
Um, me, me chasing the roosters in Jamaica and trying to catch them. Yes, I forget. I don't know how that comes up on a baseball podcast, oh, but it did. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much of what we talk about comes up on a baseball podcast, but it does. Um, and then also, <laughs> I don't know if enough people know just the the, the good idea slash the slog that the playoff podcasts are, and just like the three of us being like, "All right, what time are we signing on?" Like, um, <laughs> not as much this year because we did them uh, the next day, but the first year when we did them. At night, um, there was just all these delirious, ridiculously fun moments in there. And I wish I could think of more of these one-liners. But um, all I can say is we laugh a lot on this show. I think somebody wrote in the comments once, like, you guys laugh too much. But if that's <laughs> going to be your criticism Oops. of the show, because, no we're having, right, because we're having fun and we're <laughs> funny, then so be it. Um, so I think, I think there's a lot of good moments on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd ever want to actually work for a person who said I'd laugh too much at work. Like that's, <laughs> I mean, if I worked in a, a morgue or something, then I'd understand. Yeah, but, well then, you know, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> be inappropriate. But otherwise, like having fun is kind of part of life, and you should try and enjoy what you do as much as you possibly can. So, yeah, that's a good call. I forgot about the rooster. They say I, they, they say I sing too. I think it was when uh, a Hawaii oh, story. The singing. I think this. I think the rooster story was in Hawaii when I got really mad at the rooster. Is that true? That <laughs> might be the rooster story. How did that come up though? I still don't remember. No idea how we got there. The King sure of Waffles thing was a, was kind of a good. <laughs> also was a good. good thing. I was definitely that was definitely my my plan. It didn't really work because everybody remembered my betting articles picks and nobody remembered the ones from this show. Mm. So in my comments on my pieces, like somebody was like, I hate your analytics. And someone else, somebody else in my comments was like, oh, you know, his analytics are the best. And some, the third comment was like, yeah, they were really great. Allowed him to get 55% wrong on the, on the playoff picks. I was, I was like, ooh, touche. Oh, gosh. Oh, amazing. Good times. We've had good times on this show. Derek has moved pretty much across the country. Uh, mm-hmm. Eno and I did a little wiffle ball meetup at the All Star. Maybe next year we can do the three of us a live rates and barrel show. That's still on the the old bucket list. In yeah. person, mm-hmm. an in person show. We're gonna be doing some stuff uh, in the spring, probably live here at breweries. So if you wanted to come out for that, I like it. Uh, we could do we could do an All Star game thing again. That would be fun. All right, so we've got another category here before we move on. You know, popping out against Peter Moylan. Uh, was a was a good moment for me this year. <laughs> yeah, in your baseball career, where does that rank as an all time moment? Is it like a top it's, five? Uh, utterly appropriate. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you were there for my hit, right? I got a base yes. hit. Trevor yes. Plouffe and Peter and you also all saw it. Uh, yeah, I think I got a hit off of Plouffe, but Moylan has that sidearm funk. It, it does. It's deception. How about how about <laughs> this for a hypothetical? So let's say it's the 2022 All Star Game week. And another wiffle ball game has been created, and you're going to hit a home run off of a former player. Who do you want that former player to be? Pick a former player that you want to hit a home run off of. It could be anyone from any era. It could be old Hoss Radborn if you're really weird about it. Mariano Rivera. He gave up so few. Oh, that's a good one. I also was going Yankee Roger Clemens just because I think he would get really angry. Even now, yeah. Even now, <laughs> yes. that's the key. You want someone who takes like it if he seriously. The, <laughs> if he tossed the bat at me, dude, that would be just amazing. I think I'd go Randy Johnson because <sighs> I mean he's the guy that if it, if it were a real baseball, I would not want to step into the box against him. I'm a righty too, and I I still wouldn't want to be anywhere near the plate with Randy Johnson pitching. But 
I'll take my chances with a wiffle ball. I'd be doing the cruck. <laughs> waving at it with the hat backwards. Yeah. He, Randy Johnson's just terrible. I mean, I was talking to Buck Showalter because he's in the Mets managerial process. And Buck used to always kind of talk about how absolutely terrifying Randy was, even to manage. Mm-hmm. Like, he just stayed out of his I- way. It's like, all right, Randy, whatever you want. Cool. Yeah. yeah, and not just on the mound, right? No, like just, just generally day. terrifying. Generally I was standing terrifying. next to him at some sort of media event, and I was, and I thought, you know, people were asking some, you know, certain questions. I thought I would be the guy who asked the like the baseball-y question, which sometimes works for me, right? You know, like the the nuts and bolts question. So I was like, what was the real like? What was the real adjustment that like you know that that led to the? And he was like, a damn split finger. And I was like. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Thank you for the answer. <laughs> oh, man. I think Pedro Martinez would be a close second. I, I, I like Pedro. I just think he'd... It, I feel like it would actually bother him. Like, oh, this this stupid podcaster just hit a home run off me. God, I gotta live with that for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. Fair. He's, he's just a lot more fun to talk baseball about. I just, yeah, I just think he'd have a lot of fun with it in, in the end. But uh, our next question, uh, a favorite 2021 discovery. It could be a place you visited. It could be a food that you found somewhere. It could be a book or a video game, literally anything, a thing you didn't know about before 2021 that you found and really enjoyed. Well, so many. Um, currently, I'm binge-watching Yellowstone, which is a great show. I also visited mm. four new states this year. I'm up to 43 in my oh, quest wow. to go to all 50 before I turn 40. So, mm. like in those odds. They're all the non-baseball states that are left, pretty much. But mm. Nebraska? Uh, yeah, like Arkansas, Oklahoma. I think we're going to go to a concert in Arkansas to bang that one out sometime this spring. Uh, <laughs> nice. It's like... What's he gonna do there? Uh, but Alaska was beautiful. That was my favorite state that we visited this past year. We took a belated honeymoon there for ten days, and um, just a spectacular, feel like you're in another world kind of state. So, how did you get around? Did you do like a cruise, or did you did you? We drove. We where, drove everywhere. Aren't like cars like a, an issue? Like getting a car? Um, they were, but um, we got lucky. We got a car. Uh, my husband loves to drive, so we ended up putting. Uh, I want to say a couple thousand miles on that car. A lot of hours uh, of driving. Yes, right? but it's so beautiful that you don't. It doesn't matter. You're like, cool, three hour drive, but it's scenic the entire three hours. Mm. So it's a fun drove drive. to Alaska and back. No, no, no we drove no. around. Even oh, driving around there. Alaska. <laughs> yeah, it's it's huge. Yeah, it's it's yeah. super spread out. Okay, yeah, I yeah. I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of, uh, of 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 cruises in general. Like I grew up in Jamaica. Like you know, I'm not a big fan of cruises in general. But I have heard that. Uh, that in particular Alaska is kind of it makes sense to do a cruise because there's so much driving and the cruise kind of allows you to kind of see a lot of it and then get off and then get back in and have some fun. I have a fear of cruises though. There's too many people. <laughs> Imagine like the like the COVID outbreaks this and year. And also post COVID, mm-hmm. like yeah. yes, cruises oh. are doing really really badly. Oh. <laughs> but if you know, they're also super cheap now, so maybe <laughs> now's the time. Now's the time to go. <laughs> get a booster right before and jump on. <laughs> Nah, I'm not. I'm still not ready to cruise. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. They are kind of cesspools. Yeah, no. I also don't do well in all-you-can-eat scenarios. Cruises aren't for me. You Wait, follow-up question. What do you mean you don't do well in all-you-can-eat scenarios? Does that mean you scenarios? eat too much or you don't I mean, like the food? Stop. No, I mean, like, you can't, like, there's just no limit. Britt, you've lived in the Midwest. That's called getting your money's worth. That is okay. <laughs> That's true. I know That's true. here it'd be frowned upon, and maybe on the East Coast it's frowned upon too, but they in, don't the mid- do much in the Midwest, y'all, you're, you're getting your money's worth. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, Vegas. Vegas is is the closest I I've gotten to that. Ugh, never want to eat that much when I'm there. It's it's hot and gross. Uh, how about you? You know, favorite discovery 2021. I think the uh, the beer collaborations were really really fun. Uh, I guess that's a discovery of some sort. Is is the discovery that um, I could uh, just uh, hop on a Zoom call with some people that were knew more than me and say some stuff, and they'd make a beer based on what I said and do all the hard work. I mean, that, that was pretty amazing. Uh, but uh, And this might be another weird one, but I think my favorite discovery this year was short hair. Okay. Okay. That's More comfortable day to day. so much easier. <laughs> it is so much easier. My hair used to take like four hours to dry. <laughs> Your wife, a long didn't time. Clue, your wife didn't clue you in on this long ago. Long hair is... No, she's been yelling at me about it. In fact, her hair at some point was shorter than mine was when she said, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think everybody, everybody at some point in the last two years probably set a personal record for the longest time they went without getting a haircut, regardless mm. of short hair, long hair, whatever. So everybody found a new look at some point uh, in the last two years, but... Uh, I think my favorite discovery, which is weird for a person that drove most of the way across the country, I was kind of going for speed rather than tourism, though, uh, was a YouTube series called Binging with Babish. It's been around for several years, and it's my brother-in-law that that told us about it. But uh, it started off where this guy decided to kind of make his own YouTube channel. He had a background in video, didn't have a background necessarily as a chef, but he started recreating food from movies and TV shows. So if you think of like uh, Parks and Rec, like there's the meat tornado burrito, right? There's an episode where he makes a meat tornado burrito and eats it. And of nice. course, the channel's morphed into a bunch of other things. There's basics with Babish now, and he's he's become a very good chef over time. And the videos wow. are really well produced. Uh, he does a great job. He voiceover. He does a good voiceover on them, so they're they're pretty calming. Like they, I don't know. I guess in the same way that like a episode of Frasier is kind of a good late night random thing to just throw on because it doesn't wake you back up. It's really good that way, but you can also discover some pretty cool food along the this way. This is filling the HGTV niche in your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Like My it, wife makes fun of me because when we hop into bed at the end of the day, all I want is HGTV on for like 45 minutes, get the reveal, fall asleep. Get the reveal. <laughs> the reveal. <laughs> uh, oh, it's mindless. Man. It's a it's a it's a way to I like yours better though because it might actually be a little bit more practical. We already finished the renovation in our house, and I absolutely have no abilities in that arena. <laughs> yeah. To the consternation of my father, who is a general contractor. <laughs> I, I think the there's a few things I like about it. I mean, it connects back to the the Great Resignation. At some point, he gave up the job that he had, started bet on himself, and won big. Like he's got a great following now, and this is his career, and he's. In, He's set for a long time, but he's he's grown that in a way that is just uh, it's it's fun, it's engaging, it's highly highly worth your time. Binging with Babish, uh, he didn't pay me to say that; he doesn't have to. He's got more followers than than I'll ever have, so definitely check out his stuff. If you're just looking for some ideas, inspiration for new meals, or you just like seeing people cook ridiculous things. There's a there's a movie called Big Night that I've never heard of before. What's it called? Big Night. It came out in the '90s. And it's about two brothers who run an Italian restaurant, and there's this dish called Il Timpano, and I've never heard of that either. It's this Italian dish, must be from a different part of Italy than where my wife's family you know, originally came from and everything. So it is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen anyone make on any food show ever. So I would say if you want to start with one that's just 
really impressive. What makes it ridiculous? The amount of meat or? The amount of time that had to go into making this thing. Uh, I, I, it it kind of looks like a giant wheel of cheese, but it's made out of pasta and meat and fillings and things. And it's just, it's incredible. Wow. I think it took them a couple of days to actually complete the wow. entire process and everything. So like, some of the stuff's a lot more, mo- many of the things are a lot more straightforward than that, but that was one <laughs> of the things he made. And it was like, well, that's cool. And I never heard of that movie. So maybe I'd actually like that movie. So yeah, definitely a uh, cool tie in. Yeah. Cool. Give it a, give it a look. If, uh, if you're curious about some food things on uh, YouTube, and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, should we do our, our winter, Christmas, holiday-ish movie uh, draft? my cheat sheet. I'm you ready. a cheat sheet for this? How many, uh, how many rounds? There's only, there's only four on it, so I'm in trouble if it goes how, long. Yeah, how many rounds are we doing? Five? I thought we were doing no, five. Three. Want to do know. three? Three? You only, All right. You only want to do three, you know? Three. You want to do five rounds? Yeah, right, why don't you three. draft a movie you haven't seen if you only have four that you like? <laughs> no, no, I just don't like Christmas movies. So. Well, All right, three. <laughs> Well, well I got I got four. I'll, we can go to five. I'll All just, right, Eno, I'll, go ahead. We'll go, we'll go to be five. A stretch at the end. Clearly, clearly, Eno has uh, the shortest list of things he wants here. I feel like Brit, we should just give him the first pick as a yeah, result. Go ahead, Eno. Die Hard, baby. I want that one. <laughs> I'm not surprised. My fifth pick may just be another Die Hard. Movie. All right. Fair. Der- fair. Derek? Okay. You yeah. gonna give me the second pick? Sure. I will take a Christmas story. I don't think it's necessarily the best Christmas movie, but it's probably, if it's not my favorite, it's one of my favorites, and it's the one that I can watch on a loop, probably because I've been trained to watch it on a loop. Thanks, TBS and TNT for... Is that the one with, like, he has a pop gun? Yeah, Yeah, he's got the BB gun and little kid growing up in Indiana. Uh Um, That's the one my family watched the most. Like, I think everyone's family, if you watch Christmas movies, probably has one that they gravitate toward. See, that's the problem. We we were usually in Jamaica, and we were not watching TV, and we were not watching Christmas movies. There you all go. Right. So I I have to I have to draft that one first for its rewatchability, not because I think it's the all time greatest Christmas movie. Okay, I'm gonna go with a classic Rudolph and the Red Nosed Reindeer, all time classic. We used to watch it as a little kid. So take awesome. It Eno, round two. We're gonna snake it back. You can you can have a, you get another one. Oh, Brett. we snake it. Two. Oh, I get two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yep. geez. Uh, maybe I'll pair that with a more current film. Uh, let's do National Lampoon. Ooh. I like another... Christmas Vacation. Yeah, Christmas Vacation. That's the first That's the first one that I would have put on my list. There we go. Another good a, yeah. classic one you can watch a million times. I enjoy times. that one. Yeah. I enjoy the, uh, the, the like, bad 80s neighbors. 
Yeah. Oh. oh, yes. What's her name? Uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah. 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 Yes, yes. They might be my favorite part. She, uh, she went on to have <laughs> yes. a better career than the actor that played her husband or boyfriend in that movie. Yeah. I know his name's Todd in the movie. I don't even know what his real life name is. But uh, yeah. She's Todd. great, though. She's great in Veep. If you haven't seen Veep, go binge Veep. It's a hilarious political satire. I'm um, looking for something to binge. I did catch an really episode good. of Veep. I don't remember. I was traveling or something. I just threw on the TV and it was on. I was like, oh, this is actually good. I think I'd like this. It's hysterical. It's hysterical. And it only gets better. It's great. Uh, it's a great show. All right. I'm going to I'm gonna stay in the more modern modern era. A movie that is older than I think people realize, though. I'm going to take Elf as my, my second oh, pick. Oh, you took one off my list. Oh, no. You know my battleship. Ito's going to end up with one. three diehards. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, Elf is hilarious. I Elf think. is great. It's held up very well. Uh, yeah, casting is great. Perfect, perfect use of Will Ferrell, right? No matter what you think of Will Ferrell's movies overall, like that's just an ideal fit for his style of comedy, and I just, just it's a well ridiculous done. Ridiculous person. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. You know for two. You know, you know he's for got two, two, and then I'm gonna be done. Uh, <laughs> he's I'll, out. Be, I'll be doing some quick searching while you guys are talking. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm going Home Alone. Classic. Okay. Uh, I like Home Alone, and uh, I I just watched like Home Alone five, I think. Oh <laughs> no! Weekend with the kids. Is that on your list? No. no oh, no. okay. It was really really <laughs> bad. It was, was really say. bad. Uh, but they do keep the Christmas theme through. I think all of the Home Alones, <laughs> uh, and it's probably the most Christmassy of my movies so far. So. And of the movies that I will pick. So I'm going Die Hard, Home Alone, and Trading Places. Oh. There we go. I've seen Trading Places. So that's my top three, and I'm going to look at a list now. Yeah, frantically find some other movies to draft <laughs> when, it, uh, when it comes back to you. But You only uh, need one more, right? You only need one more. You could do it. No, we're He's doing got five. Four? We're gonna do five. We'll do, he... we'll do five. Oh, he picked I've got three. three. He's yeah, got yeah. three. He's got Die Hard, Home Alone, and Trading Places. Ah, uh, that's right. Uh, I got one before Britt gets two, so I have to be gotta be careful with this one. I, I got to make sure I, if there's one that I think Britt's going to take that I like, I have to get it now because I won't yeah, be able do. to get it with my next turn. Oh, there are some legit classics out there that we have not even gone near. No, I know. It's kind of surprising. Uh, all right. Anticipating what I think Britt is going to do, I'm going to take Home Alone 2 right now. I don't want to get shut out on the two there are two good Home Alone movies. I think everything after two is worthless. Uh, well, I guess if you have kids, maybe they're not worthless because they'll they'll no, watch no, no. anything. Five was as bad as you think it was. Okay. I mean, how do you even keep coming up with ways to leave a child at home, and especially in this era? Like if that was a, if that took place in recent times, my goodness, it's so much easier to not do that now than it probably was in the '90s. But I'll take Home Alone too. I think it's actually a worthy sequel. I think finding clever ways to harm people trying to murder you when you're in an unfamiliar city as a child shows an incredible amount of resourcefulness. I think Kevin McAllister's uh, ingenuity is is awesome. I, I hope he's building roller coasters or something in adulthood right now. I'd watch that movie. Uh, but I, I think Home Alone 2 is almost as good as Home Alone 1, and people that hate on it probably are like, well, it's the same movie. It's like, well, yes, it just takes place in a different place. Of course it's the same movie. The weaponry used in Home Alone 2 is more impressive for a child. <laughs> this is his weaponry. <laughs> I love how Derek's been like staunchly defending each one of his picks. Like, I think they sound good to me. Sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got a good lineup. I got Christmas Story, Elf, and Home Alone 2. I'm in, I'm in good shape right now. 
And I'm going to go with Santa Claus. Classic, nice. classic Tim Allen movie. Mm, and then with an I'm e. gonna, Yeah. And then I'm going to go with The Holiday because I love that movie. I'm a sucker for the little old guy in that movie. is so cute. I love Jack Black. I love Kate Winslet. I love Cameron Diaz. I like Jude Law. Like, I'm sorry. I'm a chick. I'm going to sit there and watch these holiday movies that have happy endings at the end and, and maybe get a little misty-eyed. I love, I love some of these sappy Christmas oh, I think I've seen that one. It's good. I think it's the movie that gets watched every time I go somewhere in December. So if, usually if I, if I travel for the winter meetings, Steph watches it then. And then exactly. She's like, oh, I, I watched that while you were gone. I was like, really? You don't want to watch it now? She's like, no, it was fine. I watched it while you were gone. Going to watch it tonight because John's out of town. So exactly <laughs> that is the exact function of that movie. It's uh, well, it's, it's almost Christmas and I'm home by myself, which is weird that Home Alone's not that movie given the title and everything. But hey, yeah, I, I get it. To- totally understand. In the Santa Claus, I think that that along with Home Alone two, especially. Those are the two picks that really just lock in the fact that we grew up in the 90s. Like that is yeah. <laughs> the clearest thing ever. And and people that grew up in like the 70s are sitting there and they're like, how are you guys not drafting the actual classic Christmas movies? The ones that were on TV in that era. I'll take It's a Wonderful Life as my oh, fourth round go. pick. Yeah. How could you not? I mean, if we're talking about movies that could be the truly best Christmas movie out there, I think you'd find more agreement on that than you would on any other movie that we've picked so far in this draft. Sure. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there are people who uh, are looking down their noses in my list. I mean, I drafted Home Alone 2 before I drafted It's a Wonderful Life. Let's let's just... (laughs) Let that soak in. (laughs) I was very concerned Britt was going to take Home Alone 2. I probably would have. You know, I'm I'm intrigued. All right. Uh, I'm doing one that's totally in line with the rest of mine. So I went Die Hard, Home Alone, Trading Places, uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Ah, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That is actually kind of a Christmas movie. He's like trying to get home for Christmas. Yeah, that counts. Absolutely. And then my last one could be controversial. Uh, I don't want to say that I think it's one of the best movies of all time or super great or anything, but it's a little bit sappy and I kind of like it. And I'm going to put my name on it, I guess. Love Actually. Oh, I almost picked that one, but The Holiday is a slight favorite. Of, but I love that movie. I love that pick because it was so unexpected. <laughs> yes, it definitely sticks out. <laughs> Die Hard, Home Alone, Trading Places, Planes, Trains, and Automobile. And loves, actually. <laughs> do, you, do you really like that movie or did you just Google like Christmas movies and pick one? You know? No, no. Once I saw it, uh, I was like, yeah, it's a, it, you know, the first time I saw it was with my wife in England. Uh, I think on a, at a Christmas that we weren't going home or something. Um, and uh, so it, it kind of reminds me of, a, of an interesting time in, in our lives. Um, and uh, I just, I, I haven't seen it again recently. So I don't know that like it, it stands the test of time, but I saw it like a couple years ago and was like, you know, this is not so bad. Oh, it's good. It stands the test of time. <laughs> I love it. It's another really good movie. Yeah. It's a fun movie. All right. You got one more, Britt. Wait, no, I got one more. I, I got to go. I got to go before you. I, I'm not going to take that one. I got a different one. I'll, Such I'll, a good one. I'll take The Grinch. I'll take How the Grinch the Stole Grinch. Christmas. That's, yeah. uh, that's a ah, classic, that's too. Ages yeah. uh, pretty well. Yeah. Notice I didn't pick any, other than Home Alone, I didn't pick any that I would be watching with my kids. Uh, <laughs> mostly because I just feel like I'm forced to watch movies with my kids all the time, and they don't, they don't usually 
stand out for me. <laughs> they don't they don't always pick the best content. No, they pick yeah. some terrible, terrible crap. That makes sense. Home Alone Five. I, I mean, I I chose bad content until I was like twenty five years old at least, so I, I have no ground to stand on you here. You chose Home Alone Two over It's a Wonderful Life. Maybe you're still doing it. That was Ooh. you you know as well as I do that that was draft strategy. That was getting yeah, everything I was. wanted from that draft position. That was. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I'm, well, I already said mine. I'm going to close on Jingle All the Way. Classic. Mm. Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> is great, but you know who steals that movie for me is Sinbad as the postal worker. The like insane yeah. postal worker. Um, mm. I just saw it the other day. It was on TV. I did just see it the other day. Yeah, yeah. it was just on. Um, just a great movie. Just, I don't know, just a, a fun, like, Preposterous. Okay. Totally just preposterous. preposterous. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> just a fun, lighthearted movie. Um, I, I do always watch that during the holidays. So, Yeah, we usually have a diehard uh, trilogy watch at some point. Yeah, it seem, seems like a good tradition to have. Like, I'm, I'm looking at the movies we didn't take, the, the classics. You know, Miracle on 34th Street, the original, which is interesting because the, there's a Rotten Tomatoes list for this, of course. There's probably a billion other lists ranking Christmas movies. The original Miracle on 34th Street is their number two movie for Christmas wow. movies. The one that we all saw as kids is like the second worst Christmas movie. And, of course, that's the one I saw first, so I've never wanted to watch the original. So I've never actually yes. seen the original. And I don't now think I feel I've like seen the original. Yeah. <laughs> see, like seeing how people who take like rating movies very seriously are looking at it, I think it's kind of important that I actually go back and watch the original Miracle on 34th Street and you know erase the few remaining memories of the the one that came out when we were kids uh holiday inn is high on that list i've seen i've seen that it's pretty good i don't know toy, is toy I story s- high on that list we used to watch that growing up um, mm, they didn't put toy story on it not toy story the regular toy story um isn't it like the land of toys oh they've got uh, like a another version uh um, I didn't see that one on there. The other one that's really high on the list, that's it's an old, old movie. It's called The Shop Around the Corner. It came out in 1940. I've never seen it. Huh, no. Not familiar I with that one at all. Meet Me in oh. St. Louis on some of these lists. And no. I studied that in school, and I've scrubbed my memory of the movie. I just remember like at, like parts of my essays. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> like why it was meaningful. It was like one of the first colorized movies. And, you know, it had something to do with the expo and... Interesting. The Year Without Santa Claus, I like too. And I went to, to DC has like a big Christmas movies um, interactive exhibit, and they did you know Elf, and they did um, Christmas Story, and uh, Christmas Vacation. They also did Polar Express, which I've never seen. Is that like a classic Christmas movie? You mm-hmm. know, have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. Seen kids, it. kids, have, kids like that one. The kids also one of the ones that the kids liked that I do like uh, was called, and it's so funny that this is a Christmas movie. Rise of the Guardians. Rise of the Guardians as a Christmas yes, movie? Guardians of Christmas. Oh. And so it's like the characters in it are Jack Frost and, you know, and like the Easter Bunny and the Nutcracker. Oh. <laughs> but they're animated and they're at war. <laughs> it's, like, oh. it's, it's like a definite, like a modern version of a, of a movie where like, you know, like, like there's a big screen with like, you know, an evil mastermind. <laughs> Do they use paint cans to hurt the bad guys? <laughs> no, but no, no. They have like, uh, like magic and like effects and like, uh, and they can like hurt each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Do you have okay? So before we before we sign it off uh, from this segment, at least, 
Do you have any movies that you wanted to draft, but you were actually ashamed to draft? Because I have one. I have one that we've watched every year for at least the last five years that I think is a modern Christmas movie that is actually a bad movie, and I'd keep watching it, and I keep laughing at it. So it must not be completely terrible because I'm getting some kind of enjoyment out of it. That movie is Four Christmases. It is a uh, Vince Vaughn, oh, Reese Witherspoon movie. That. Ah, they they're they're a unmarried couple living in the Bay Area, and they are supposed to go on a trip to Fiji, I think, for Christmas. They're ignoring their family, but the fog in San Francisco keeps their plane from taking off. The flight gets canceled. And they're seen on TV, so they have to go and actually spend Christmas with their families, who all live within, you know, an hour or so, so they can see everybody all in one day. And they freak out about it, and their families are all like everyone's family. You know, they, they've, mm-hmm. got, they've got their issues, but uh, it's stupid, but uh, somehow kind of relatable. So, I don't know. I end up watching Four Christmases, like, every year now, and I, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's going to end up on any list like this ever as anything yes. more than, like, a throwaway movie that, like, makes the list longer. Uh, I don't know. I think it, it did it make the top. No, it made the top 20 on this one list I'm looking at. Oh boy. I, I'm, it <laughs> right, must be like right cut below off Mr. Year. Magoo's Christmas Carol. Wow. <laughs> Quite a list. And there's like an infinite number of, uh, I don't know, like Lifetime and Freeform and, and just poorly budgeted Christmas yeah. movies that have been cranked out over the years. Like if you throw on Netflix or Hulu, there are movies you've never ever heard of that were somehow made in the last oh few years that are just. The absolute worst. There's a whole I turned... channel. The 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 the, the, the what is yeah. it? The no. What's the what's the channel? The Hallmark channel. Sap- the Hallmark channel. It's just the sappiest stuff. Horrible. I, I tried to watch one of those just to kind of laugh at it, and I couldn't even do it. I just couldn't do it. Uh, any other holiday thoughts? I know we talked about cookies last year, and I feel I feel like because of the move, I didn't get the opportunity to partake in that tradition with Steph's family, and then I you know, offer send you, guys you cookies. my kitchen. <laughs> Do you, I, i'm sure you, you probably have a stand mixer right yeah you need a big stand mixer to to pull this off that's okay uh, maybe this can happen let me let me think about I this cookies. Yeah. <laughs> any other traditions any other stuff you guys got going on we do the german thing of a couple gifts the night before okay that's cool in fact i think uh and some germans do all the gifts the night before yeah um but uh, we did a couple. Awesome. We're not German, and we did like a couple. We did one gift the night before mm-hmm. growing up. We uh, also have uh, from Maggie's side of the family um, enchiladas. Oh, okay. So that's uh, the Christmas, Christmas Day tradition. Christmas yeah. big thing is Christmas enchiladas. That sounds very great. Cool. Yeah, that sounds mm, really good. It's a good recipe. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have well, a, a fixed food. It, it's kind of like whatever recipe sounded good that year is the thing we have. We don't have one thing we go back to every year. It'd be cool to have that, whether it's a, a ham or enchiladas or something else entirely. I'd, I'd like to have a, a meal tradition too. Start one. Start it this year. I might have to. It's going to be like kale chips and California foods, but it'll <laughs> no, like it'll be something a little better than that. Uh, before we go, yeah, I hope you guys have great holiday seasons. Hope everyone listening out there has great holiday seasons as well. Uh, of course, as always, there's 33% off a subscription at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels on Twitter. Eno is at Eno Saris. Britt is at Britt underscore Drooly. I am at Derek Van Riper. And of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, 56 minutes into this very weird end of year three-person show, be sure to hit the like button and subscribe to this channel. We appreciate everybody who's 
listened, commented, emailed, followed, read, done anything, interacted with us or our work in any way over the past year. This year, a lot like last one, had some significant low points and anything we could do to, to help anyone get through it. You know, I, I feel like that's as, as much as we can hope for. So we appreciate everyone supporting us and leaving nice reviews and, and just you know, supporting the work that we do. It's uh, it's greatly appreciated. Sending us emails. Yep. Lots yes. of emails. I know, I know I haven't answered all of them, but we will answer in some form just about every email that comes in. So uh, keep those coming, Rates and Barrels, at theathletic.com. That's going to do it for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We are back on Monday. And I say it every time, but I mean it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.